Welcome to Prescription for Improvement. I'm Vanessa Balmer, bringing you your regular dose of quality in healthcare. I'm here to learn a little bit more about family presence, specifically some of the misconceptions around it and some of the challenges to implementing it. Um, so I've got a couple people here with me today, and um, why don't you both just introduce yourselves? My name is Roberta Correa. I'm the patient care manager for mental services at the Peter Lougheed Centre. And I'm Paul Wright. I manage the patient family centre care program for the Calgary Zone, and we focus on how we can really enable the patient's voice to and the family voice to enact change in healthcare. Perfect. So it sounds like I'm talking to the right people. So first of all, I guess, why don't you just tell me a little bit about what family presence means to you and, and why you think it's so important? Um, I guess I'll talk from a, a clinical um, perspective. In, in mental health, um, family presence can not only mean like biological family, of course, extends to any support um, individual, um, which is very common with a population who's very marginalized and um, usually mostly friends or family, anyone if they have addiction issues, those are what we kind of consider what family presence is. So whoever can help that person um, move towards wellness, I would say would be considered family presence. Yeah, just to build off that too, that's great, Roberta. Uh, family presence for me is a whole gamut of things. I think it's how we, we work with families and patients and not just for them. I think historically in healthcare, we've been very much uh, kind of be protected of patients and want to do the best and worry about things like safety, but often we forget to include family in the care and how they can help uh, patients own their own health conditions and promote wellness and health as well. So it's inviting them in to be a part of, an equal part of the care team with the patient uh, as much as the patient chooses as well. So how do we create that collaboration with uh, healthcare providers, uh, patients, and family members? And as Roberta said, family can mean a whole bunch of things. It can mean uh, your neighbor, and it really, the easiest way to sum it up is what the patient classifies as family. And I think there's no real traditional definition of family, but it, it's all encompassing. I was going to ask that actually. Um, so basically, you just allow the fam or the patient, sorry, to determine who I guess um, they want by them or who they want involved in their care. Yeah, we like to say it's it's uh, patient uh, led. So they're they're really the the key focus of who they would like to invite in. And I alluded to that as well as. You know, that could be a distant relative, a neighbor, but whoever they feel is a part of their care. They can speak on their behalf. They can help them uh, manage their care in and out of hospital as well. So a real advocate. And it is ultimately up to the patient's decision. So I think, I guess like we said, we were going to talk about some of the misconceptions and barriers or challenges to implementing this. So um, I think one of the things that I'm curious about is... Um, is family presence basically in all access pass or, you know, does that basically just mean the doors are wide open and people are allowed to come in whenever they want? And, or is there more to it than that, I guess? Yeah, I could start, Roberta. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, I think that the fear uh, of frontline providers, such as, you know, even myself as a registered nurse of fear of that, that's what it could be is an all-access pass anytime, uh, all, all hours of the night. And we worry, I think, because we have, a, as providers, we have a specific care duty uh, to protect our patients, ensure that they get rest and that they do have the time to, to heal. Uh, so I think there's a bit of anxiety of 24-hour of family presence. Oh my gosh, what does that look like? But I think 
uh, it's great to have uh, groups in, in Alberta Health Services that can help understand what family presence means. And uh, it means working together. And I think a big mis misconception of, of, uh, of patient family center care or family presence is that the patient uh, gets everything they want. It's actually a partnership and how we can support each other. So there are guidelines, there are, are rules that we need to follow to ensure the safety and quality health care, uh, not only for the patient that you might be visiting, but for other patients as well. There's, you know, really looking at how we respect and understand the healthcare providers, the patients, and uh, the families as well. Um, so things like, you know, limiting noise, uh, reduction of, of number of people in a room in a critical area, such as maybe a post anesthetic care unit or a, an ER, being mindful of, of numbers and of visitors, and even privacy concerns. You know, unfortunately. Uh, a, a curtain looks like a, a strong barrier, but it's really just a curtain. So we have to be mindful of how we communicate. And I think those are all uh, things that uh, we need to pay attention to when we're breaking barriers or myths, is that uh, family presence seems a bit anxious or a bit scary uh, to a healthcare provider because of those things. But there are rules, there are great policy that will allow uh, and endorse you know, family being there in a safe, protected way to encourage uh, active participation and care. Yeah, and I would kind of build off of what um, Paul um, said. It's really a partnership and it's a collaboration. So um, having the opportunity to debunk some of those myths that it is not it is not like a 24-7 access pass. We do definitely promote that wellness. Um, but the importance of saying visiting is only from 4 to 9, well, why is that when that person might have had connection with someone from you know, during the day and that's really important or they can help um, inform us of the care and what really helps that person especially in mental health we really do need that to help them move towards wellness because we do have things like the mental health act and certain things where these individuals are kind of bound to our area but they still the reality is they're going to be in the community and they're going to need that connection with those individuals. So if we involve them early um, and have them connect with the care team earlier, the treatment team, um, it's a win-win. And that's how I kind of look at it as. So to be able to be flexible in that is really what we need to understand because each patient, it would look differently for each patient. And so from my understanding, um family presence is more than just having someone, you know, come in and say hi kind of thing. Um, you want to involve the, that person a little bit more in in the patient's recovery or, you know, in their treatment. Um, so how, how would you manage multiple different people in the room? Like, you know, I'm sure uh, if someone's laying in the bed, you might have three people there with different opinions on, on their care. Yeah. So how would you manage that kind of scenario? Yeah, and it looks a little bit different. So mental health not tied to a bed, mm -hmm. we have that ability and we've always kind of built that in. Family meetings is really what informs our work. That collateral information is what informs what is going to be the best care for that individual outside of the acute care kind of um, setting. Um, so we we do set those up on a regular basis, saying how do, where do we want to go? Well, where do we want to get to and how do we move towards that? So, I mean, Paul definitely can speak more when somebody is bound to a bedside and you're having those conversations. We would have those meetings and we have certain rooms to be able to have a greater meeting with the 
treatment team, and albeit I've been in some of those meetings, even as a manager, speaking with the family, what um, speaking with those external stakeholders, I consider that all to be um, that family presence and how we do that um, only benefits what that patient will be because the reality is we want to make sure that they're stay out of um, move towards wellness and stay out of the hospital and if we can give them that that ability to do that and empower them to do that then it's just as I said a win-win. Yeah absolutely and I think this is not a unique question to any care area it's something Mm -hmm. that we for a long time have, have thought okay how do we engage all family members. Uh, but I think first piece is to understand the patient's voice and the wishes uh, and to use it and to work with, I guess not use, but work with the family to, uh, as healthcare providers, to help them understand the, the, what the next steps look like, to inform them as much as we can, to advise them into uh, what the care plans look like and to uh, respect their opinions as well. But ultimately we're there to, to serve uh, and to, to really help facilitate uh, a care plan for the patient themselves. So ultimately their wishes would be the first that we would respect and we would always try to look to engage family. When conflict arises, and it absolutely does, uh, especially at time of, of, uh, uh, of a critical illness, maybe a, a life and death situation, someone might be in the ICU. Um, families, I think, get very scared and anxious and at those times you can see conflict. And I think our job as healthcare providers, whether that's a frontline nurse, physician, uh, social worker, uh, occupational therapist, I think we all play a role in, in decreasing anxieties and fear by allowing patients or families to have that voice to understand of what is next, what, what does this look like? Great. Um, so on top of those couple um, barriers, I guess, that we have kind of touched on already, what what would you say the biggest barriers that you've um, experienced have been or the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome? Um, Bridget, you want to start? Um, yeah, I, I'd really say the barrier is really the culture shift. Um, we come from a culture um, in healthcare where we, we, as I said, we have visiting hours or we have um, certain things and we don't think that families should be in the room for certain instances or um, a lot of the care that we provide Um, and really building a culture that perhaps the family does want to be there, perhaps um, we can have a greater discussion. Um, You know, my focus of course comes um, from addictions and mental health and it's and it's really hard, especially when we have aggressive situations. Um, but we do have families on on the unit. And how do we do that and debrief and be able to support? Because it is not only the patient that we are serving, we're also serving that family. It's a unit. Um, and so moving to that culture shift that we can do that, we can still provide the care um, and do an excellent job in living those kind of AHS values and looking at that compassion and those pieces that we we kind of talk about cares with compassion, the accountability, the respect and the excellence, safety. That's really what we need to do on a regular basis. And that comes from the patient and family centered type of approach. Yeah, that's a hard act to follow. That was excellent. Yeah. Uh, for myself, there's a couple pieces of, of, of the two myths that I think is important. And 
I think for a long time we've seen family as a safety risk, and it's an interesting concept to me. Uh, I think as a provider, we, we see, as a healthcare provider, we see family as, well, we have you know specific tasks I must do on a, on a shift, and I must get those done, and family at times you know can be perceived as a barrier or even uh, be so close to the patient that we can't get in to provide care or, or are disabling our ability to connect with the patient in a way, and I think uh, that is, is very quickly changing, and I think we see family going from a, a safety risk to being an enabled part of the team. Uh, I think as Roberto alluded to, the culture is changing where uh, I think we see family now as, or are starting to see family now as, as an equal partner in supporting care rather than resisting care. And I think we need to think about that way. Uh, we talked about managing disease expectations in and outside a hospital and family absolutely are, are there for that. So the myth uh, of that family are, are safety risk, I think, is starting to change. The other big myth I, I would love to, to keep busting is uh, the visiting hours uh, are only appropriate from nine to five, your typical banker's times, you know? <laughs> um, but patients need support all hours, mm -hmm. and I think it's up to the patient to decide. We do a great job at, as healthcare providers to protect our patients from uh, ailments, conditions, disease, but it's really up to the patient, uh, I firmly believe, to make that decision when they need supports. And I think we need to be able to enable that with them. So how do we continue to encourage not your eight to four, nine to five banker hour visitation, uh, but having family welcome 24 hours a day? And I think that's a myth that I, I would like to continue to bust that um, people, people just don't need support a couple hours a day. They need support all the time and it should be up to them when they choose that. So from your experience, I guess, um, you know, allowing family in all hours of the day kind of thing, um, whenever the patient wants, like you said, um, have you seen that have any sort of impact on their treatment or their recovery or, um, you know, their journey to wellness, positive or negative, I guess? Yeah, I, I've, I find that once we kind of normalized it, it just kind of seemed um, um, we, we can get patients out quicker we can know and have a better plan in place. So I have kind of seen um, when we engage the family or that family presence early to support, um, we can actually um, um, have a better discharge plan. Um, and not it doesn't seem so complex versus where we, we seem to try to figure it out on our own without looking at the experts because the reality is the patient is the expert in regards to the care. We manage those those diseases and that's what we, we do. But they they also know pieces that works for them. Um, and they know the people who can support them in that. And it's about that longevity and that plan, so. And to add to Roberta's story, it's important to look at data and stories, and I'd love to talk a bit about data um, here in Alberta as well as internationally too about the importance of having family at the bedside. You see a reduction in falls, and not only just reduction in falls at the bedside, but the severity of falls as well. A reduction in medication errors, which we know are, do happen from time to time, unfortunately. Uh, a reduction in uh, 
readmission rates back to the hospital. And that is specific here to Alberta Health Services that uh, a readmission rate uh, after 14 days is much lower when a family member has been part of the care plan. And I think for those reasons we've talked about is because they're, they're there listening. They're actively engaging the team and understanding what the future is going to look like. As a patient at times, and I don't want to speak for the majority of patients, but I know my own personal experience, at times you check in and out whether what's happening, whether you're in a pain crisis or you're undergoing a procedure, you don't always remember what's happened. And you can meet, you know, 40, 50 people a day. And people, I mean, care providers, health professionals, support staff, uh, and things start to blur. So when you have family there, it helps with that connection uh, to understand what the next steps are. And as I alluded to, um, not only here in Alberta Health Services, but internationally and, and supported through uh, organizations like the Barrel Institute and the Institute for Patient Family Center Care, they've, they've shown that family has a, a, a great impact on the way we safely provide care. And I think those studies and that research are starting to really open up the culture of family should be here. Not, it's not a nice thing to have, but it's a must have now. Is there any other big points that you wanted to get across or? Yeah, I think for myself, uh, we've seen great strides, but we're not there yet. I know within Alberta Health Services, we have a, a very strong policy on how to deal with, with family members that uh, are having challenges um, communicating. Maybe oftentimes they get upset, either verbally or physically, and there's that doesn't happen often, but it does happen, and I want to be honest and transparent about that. So there's great policy about how to, to manage situations as a frontline provider, as a manager. Um, but what we're doing, and we, where the policy hasn't gone yet, it, is creating a consistent rules. So right now we have, um, we have exceptions uh, where you're seeing certain care centers, uh, certain units, certain hospitals even have uh, differences of how they honor family presence. So in Alberta Health Services, I think we really need to strive to have one set rule where we can create exceptions uh, to that rule to provide safe, competent care. Uh, but right now, I feel we're, we're putting our patients and families at uh, a bit of a risk by not having a rule to follow, where teams or units uh, are kind of creating their own ideals of how to incorporate families. And, and at times, I think that's that's a risk for us. So you mean like if a patient goes to one site or one hospital yeah. and then yeah. they go to the other, um, they might experience two different yeah, two the, different things. You the mean? way they're welcomed, it might be, um, and Roberta has a real life experience, so mm -hmm. let her speak to that mm -hmm. as well. Um, but maybe one unit will will have a quiet time where families are asked to leave for two or three hours, um, but the unit across the hall might allow you to be present twenty four hours to be a part of the care. Uh, you take another step across the hall to a different unit and they might not have visiting hours um, for a large chunk of time or overnight. So it, just the inconsistencies and, and I think it's just the way we've supported um, the idea of family presence. It, it's, it's an up and coming culture change, but it hasn't got to the point where there's uh, one set rule. But I know Roberta has a, a real life example of, of the change, the amazing changes she's made in her team. Yeah, and and just to build off of what Paul kind of said, it, it does look different. Um, unfortunately, um, especially I could speak to at um, Peter Lougheed mm. Center, we decided one day that why do we have visiting hours and other things that we've um, were limiting that was um, what the culture was back um, 
for mental health units. Safety was, of course, the utmost importance and still remains that, but things do change. Um, connection to the outside world, especially when we have an, a mental health act that deems that these people have to stay in our facility to provide treatment. Um, and so we said, well, why are we doing this? And then decided to make the change. Yet we're the only ones currently um, who have moved in that direction. Um, and I think that's where everybody wants to see how it's how it's working um, to move towards that. So they do get different care um, where there's no visiting hours and they have their ability to have their electronics and other things, which are important, are still a connection. Um, at another hospital, they won't get that because the rules have kind of just still stayed the same. Um, so it's hard to be kind of the person um, who kind of goes out there and tries that because it's not what is indicative of the culture, but um, is it really patient and family centered? Um, and that's all it kind of came down to for the decision that we made. We want it to be a bit more focused. The patients are asking for it, so why? We don't know, I can't give them a valid reason, why not? So I always say, try it. If it doesn't work, we learn from it, and then we move. We can tweak it, we can do other things, but if we don't try, we'll never know or understand the benefits of it or the challenges. So basically, just in, in mental health, specifically, and that's the area that I um, manage, um, we just noticed that um, visiting hours were um, your typical in the afternoon because our patients are, of course, engaged in groups and other activities during the day, um, that um, we would only have visiting hours um, in on the mental health units and the general psychiatry units across um, kind of the Calgary zone and the acute care hospitals, um, not um, sticking to those. And we asked the question, why, why do we have to just have visiting hours only from the four to nine or the typical hours or whatever we have on the weekends? Um, because the family presence was um, needed for some of our patients during their stay. Um, and so in being able to kind of move forward and, and shift that, we, we decided to do something um, like that. Um, but it is different on the other acute care mental health units. And, and therefore, a family member who can visit at the Peter Lougheed and a general psychiatry unit may not have that opportunity in another acute care site on a mental health unit. Um, so it, it, that can create the difference, although we, we are still, all the units across the Calgary zone are providing the same care. So it seems like having, um, you know, an extra piece for the staff, I guess, to engage the family members in decision-making and, and, you know, just allowing them to be present. Um, it seems like it might be a little bit difficult for them at times. Um, but what do you think is the main benefit, I guess, for the staff of, of allowing families to be more involved in care and more present? Yeah, for sure it's perceived, I think, to, to potentially be more difficult. And uh, I alluded to at the start of the podcast, it can often cause anxieties. But I think if the way we, we engage families definitely has a, a, a benefit for all staff members. And I think one easy 
way to sum it up is uh, families can help us understand what matters to patients as well. They can be that common voice, whether the patient uh, can't uh, speak on their behalf, maybe they have some health conditions that, that won't allow for that, but the family allows us to identify who their loved one is outside of that hospital bed. We really get to know who that person is, what they like, um, how, um, what type of music they listen to, um, who they are as a person and not as a health condition. I think a family can play an active role in that. And that helps with functional uh, outcomes. And functional outcomes, what I mean by that is what matters to uh, the patient around uh, getting better or, or the change or planning. So I think family can definitely help with, uh, with that when it comes to care planning, goal setting. Uh, and I think if we are open and the culture keeps shifting that way, they can definitely help be a partner in care. Uh, and I think we need to mentor uh, families a bit more with that too. I think that by having them at the bedside, um, seeing, um, knowing that uh, they can help with, with certain aspects if they feel comfortable like meals and, and ambulation and mobilization I think are really important pieces as well. Uh, and the last piece, and I think Roberta is going to expand on this a little bit as well, is the family knows the patient better than we ever will. So they know when they're at their best and when they're at their worst. Um, they can tell us when things are, are, are declining, when the loved one's a bit off, and maybe it's leading to a, a future medical emergency that they can help stop in that moment or help advocate for the family because they know that something might be a bit different. So inviting family in uh, and how it can be a quick win for staff uh, I think are, are really around understanding what matters to that person, who they are as, uh, who they identify as a person and what's important to them, uh, helping to identify when something might be going wrong and also inviting family in to participate in care. And I think the more we do that, uh, the more the frontline will teams uh, will be able to see how beneficial having family there to support the care for them and the patients will be. Yeah, and I, Paul, that's a great way to kind of put it together. Um, when you talked about what matters to the patient, I think that's really what I would like to highlight with the family and their their presence really is, um, especially um, in mental health, we do see them at their most acute, um, and we may not even understand what we what we would consider their baseline. Um, so we do different treatment modalities to hopefully get them to wellness as quickly as possible. But the family can really help us to know if we're on the right track, um, whether we're doing what is the best for this patient at the time um, and moving them through that trajectory for wellness. I think this person, a great example is we use passes and we utilize our families um, in mental health to really be the key link for our individuals because our passes are considered therapeutic in mental health. So trialing them at home, we need to understand how was that? Now that they've come back, they've they said, no, this is not how we usually see that family member. They're behaving, they're on their best behavior because they know they're in hospital and they don't want to be here. And then when they get out, you know what, I have seen a shift. I've seen them really kind of connect. Um, we look for that. And if we start doing that more and more, um, having that those families for those conferences, any of those meetings that we have um, to really to really inform us, are we on the right track? Are we doing the best care that we can? Um, and have you noticed a difference? Because um, as I said, 
they leave our area. Um, and they're being, they've obviously been well taken care of due to that support that they've had. So how do we definitely keep them there? Because that's where they do their best. They come into hospital when they need um, assistance, um, but really where they live is not where we provide that care. Mm -hmm. There's a, a colleague of ours that we work with, and she has a, a, a great uh, kind of analogy or quote, and I'd love to share that now. Uh, when your family's with you at the bedside, that's where your home is. The hospital can be a home when mm -hmm. family's with you. And I, I'd like just to reiterate that to, to the listeners today is that uh, when your family's with you, no matter where you are physically, that's where your home is or where you where you figure out you're most comfortable. Yeah, that's great. That's um, a good way to look at it for sure. And um, I think, uh, like you touched on for sure, um, family can, I guess, be an extra resource for, for staff members. So um, great to utilize them when you can. All right, so I just want to thank you both uh, so much for joining me today. Um, really cleared up some of the questions I had about family presence and you know how it works and, and some of the benefits and how you can get over some of those barriers as well. Um, if you want to learn anything more about what we chatted today, please check out the episode's description for some helpful resources. And uh, as always, thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe and tune in next time. So thanks again, you two. Thank you. Thank you.